You're listening to the Live Out Loud podcast with River Wynn and Michelle Flamer. Hi, River. Good morning, Michelle. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like we've both had a very long morning already. Like we've already accomplished a ton of little things. Yeah, I'm feeling that energy. I woke up not super early, but I got up and did some housework and did my groceries and I'm all set for the week. I love it because you get the kids today, right? Yeah, I get them back on Sundays. Mm-hmm. They're delicious. They're the cutest little buggers. The, they really are. The I mean, you ones. have a very cute dog. You have a very cute cat, which I don't say very often. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> He's on his back. He looks like Cooper when he's on his back. That's so cute. Yep, he's just laying on his back with all four all four paws up in the air, just looking at me like, "You gonna scratch my belly?" And then <laughs> and then your kids are literally so stinking cute. Mm-hmm. They really are. Oh my god. Yeah, I'm basically just drowning in the cuteness over here. You're, that's what I'm saying. Like it's hard not to like you know smile every now and then because you you are drowning in cuteness. Um, I were like a week ago, I think you sent me these little kid pictures of the kids, like when they were littler. Holy crap. That was like cuteness overload. Yeah. The pictures I sent you was back in their toddler era where I had several friends who were moms who um, make handmade organic clothing. And I was a photographer. And so my kids wore all the things and they gave me all the outfits and I photographed them. So I was thinking about this last night, um, just kind of looking ahead to my little guys turning six this fall and, you know, starting school full time. And I'm kind of seeing the grieving process coming of like, oh, both my kids are going to be in school full time. Like the baby years are over. You know oh. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, totally. and, I, and I was looking through those photos and I was sending them to you. I was like, you know what? Yeah, the baby years are over. But you know what? I documented the baby years so much, which is really cool because I know even for me, like being in my 30s, there's still a lot of people in their 30s who their parents didn't really document their childhood that much. And they don't have that many photos to look back at. Um, I got lucky in that sense because my dad photographed a lot, but there's I have a lot of friends who don't have that many pictures from when they were little kids. And some of my siblings don't even have that many pictures from when they were kids. So uh, I feel pretty lucky that I'll get to look back with my kids and just see those little, the cuteness overload and like see those memories and happy I mean, times. you are still a photographer at heart, even if you're not doing it full time. I mean, you still yeah. love, you still love looking through life with a lens. Like you're still telling stories always yeah so it's cool visually I mean and and I just showed you I mean I think it reminded me that I'm thinking about the kids because I just showed you a photo because Carrie finally allowed Caden to be sitting in the front seat and my kid looks so freaking stoked with her little coffee cup <laughs> of some sort I guess she had some decaf coffee in there and was she looks very like grown a teenager up. like a little she looks so grown up like oh yeah I mean she's five she's five seven Oh my gosh, she's taller than me. I know. No, she's, she's as tall as me. Yeah, she's as tall as most people. Hey, or I'm 5'6. She's taller than me. Uh-huh. She's taller. Weird. Not little yeah, Kaden anymore. Oh, so it's like she'll be 13 in September. And it's it was just I we just started talking about this. Like she was sitting in the back seat, and I was like, oh my God, I can't wait till your mother lets us have you up front. <laughs> I mean, because I kind of let Carrie lead those conversations and mm-hmm. it always turns out earlier than if I push it, then it's like a no, 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 but they're on, they're having a little break with Carrie's family in Idaho. So I love Aww. that you got to sit up front and now it's a new game. It's like, that's going to be so trippy. Like when I get her next weekend and I'm like it's a new level. It's a new yeah, level. Of, yeah, we'll go. Uh, I'll take her. Maybe child. I'll take her up to the mountains, and this way we can have like a little road trip with it. Yeah, let her play DJ in the car. Exactly. <laughs> Here's my phone. Here's Amazon Prime. Just play DJ. <laughs> Pick whatever you want to play. Uh huh. It'd be really fun. I'm I'm actually really looking forward to it because her sense of humor reminds me of my brother Joey, her uncle JoJo, and he used to play because he's 16 years younger than me. He used to play DJ when I would take him mm. special alone trips. He and I would go and I would take him up to like, um, we did Yosemite and Mammoth and 
all sorts of like really fun trips. And it was just the two of us. I'd get a little cabin and I'd get away from LA for a couple of, uh, you know, long days, like a week. And I would pick him up. He had soccer camp near Santa Barbara. And so Mm. I picked him up and we went up to San Francisco when my brother, when our other brother, Kenny, my other little brother um, was living there. We would visit him and then do other really fun nature stuff. He was he, he, I love that you got to do that together. What a great yeah. memory. Yeah, my, I know my dad and my stepmom were always really good about like, yeah, if you want to take Joey, go. I mean, he was 15 and 16 at that point. So, I mean, you know, he can manage pretty well, yeah. but I just spoiled him rotten. And, but we would basically laugh the whole time Aww. because he would be doing these silly dances next to me while I'm driving and he would play DJ and it was good times. It's, is. And now you get to do that with Caden. Uh-huh. Now I'm excited <laughs> to like bring bring that uh, along with Caden because that's a whole new world with her up there. So um, today, um, something sparked our topic for today. We're going to do healing in nature, nature healing, nature bathing, just healing with and around nature. It, it resonates for both of us very much. Mm-hmm. But yesterday, why don't you um, tell the squad like... Uh, a little bit about this course, a little, maybe like give a background on the course again and what yesterday's, um, what yesterday's, uh, course or, uh, what was it like, uh, you guys your quest. Yeah. Like a quest. Yeah. Like I want, well, I'm trying to look for the word, which was like the assignment, like you had an assignment is what I was. Yeah. Yeah. That was the the project, the assignment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Tell, Tell me about it. Tell us about, tell everybody about it. Yeah. So for context, uh, for anyone who's been listening along on our podcast, you probably heard me mention I'm off social media right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I went off social media in January because I received a scholarship to um, participate in a training program that I was very excited about. Um, and it's uh, Sacred Spaces Facilitatorship. And in a nutshell, what we're doing is um, many of us are people who are already leading circles, workshops, retreats, and healing spaces and sacred spaces. Some are new to it, but we all have a common goal of wanting to be a person who um, holds space and facilitates for other people who are on their spiritual journey and their healing journey. And that can look like so many different modalities from there are people who do cacao ceremonies to people, women who are holding moon circles and people who are holding art spaces um, and people who are doing one on one personal coaching, which is kind of the area I'm drawn to of um, working with women one on one and then also leading some circles and retreats. So it's just a really beautiful training program. And, and within the first um before it started, I I really felt as they were sending us information and we were all connecting in the WhatsApp group that we have, um, I could feel the depth of it. And I could feel that it's a very um, spiritual container. And I could feel that was going to require a lot of my energy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that's why I went off social media partially. Um, I've just really been very, very focused on this group and very intentional about my learning and a participation in it. Um, and so what you were referring to, Michelle, was the nature quest, which is mm-hmm. we were required this week to prepare for and go out into nature um, on a nature quest, which is sort of an abbreviated version of what most people are familiar with um, in Native American traditions, the vision quest, mm-hmm. uh, whereas vision quests are very detailed and require um, like four days and four nights of fasting and being in a space um, and a lot of preparation and integration post. Um, This nature quest is a very abbreviated version. Um, So we were asked to spend at least four hours out alone in nature in a space of our choice. We were asked to fast and refrain from water. if it felt okay and comfortable for us to do that. And we were given a a sentence essentially that we were to focus on and to come back hopefully with some clarity and messaging around it. And the sentence was, I am a woman or man or individual of dot, dot, dot. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. And so it was a really cool process um, because a lot came up for me this week around it in preparation because my little brain went into overthinking mode and I planned and booked a cabin out in the woods where I could like have all my things and have my dog and be in the snow and then I was like having a lot of anxiety and stress around that this week around this idea of like getting it nailed down perfectly doing this perfectly Mm -hmm. um and then I had a moment on Wednesday where I was like you know what this is not about perfection and I'm feeling anxiety and stress over what I've planned Mm -hmm. so I'm going to step away from that idea and I canceled the cabin And I just opened myself up to receiving whatever came through of where do I really feel called to go? Mm -hmm. And so I just stayed open to that. And um, Friday evening, as I was starting my fasting, because I decided to start fasting um, the night before and preparing the night before, um, I just heard, go to the place that your heart calls. And the place that my heart is always called to is a local wildlife preserve um, about 15 minutes from me. Um, It's close by. It's beautiful. There's all these little ponds. There's just birds everywhere, birds everywhere, animals everywhere. Um, And that's where I go to write and I go to meditate and be alone anyways. And so I just in that moment, I was like, yeah, of course I should go there. (laughs) Like that just makes so much sense. That just makes so much sense. So I started my fasting. I put my little bag together. We were told, you know, hey, prepare prepare a bag the night before so that you're all ready to go. There was a lot of intention and spirituality poured into this. So like everything about this is very intentional. What items are you choosing to take with you? Mm -hmm. Um, How are you preparing the night before, like your body, your mind? We were given reflection questions to journal on the night before. Those were the images you kind of sent me, right? Through our text, like you yeah, were, I sent you, you pictures of how you're like prepping for this because it's mental, especially. I mean, yeah, and of course, for me, like I am, I'm a visual person, and I like to document things visually mm-hmm. in addition to writing. So it felt very important to me to like take pictures of my process and um, just kind of document it along the way because I think at some point in time I am going to write um, a blog post or something of that nature about this experience. And so having visuals to help people connect to what this is. So it doesn't sound so like intimidating. I think think even right off the bat, like people can hear this like nature quest and like fasting and they're like, Oh my God, that sounds so intense and intimidating. Um, but but really it wasn't, uh, for me at least. Um, and so like, yeah, I put together, I brought my yoga mat and I, chose some crystals that I felt very called to. Um, I chose an Oracle deck. Um, I took my journal. I took some extra writing paper in case I filled my journal because it was close to the end. Mm-hmm. I took my camera um, in case there were any birds that came close to me that I wanted to get a photo of. Um, what else? And I, I dressed very warmly. I, prepared, I like laid my outfit out and everything because I, um, I just wanted to be able to get up in the morning and immediately go. Mm-hmm. Um, and so by at 6 p.m., I had everything ready to go. I had started my fasting. I allowed myself to have some tea before bed to help calm my body down. And by 7 p.m., I was in bed and I listened to guided meditations to fall asleep. And I fell asleep and I slept hard but it was fascinating because in between the space of being awake and falling asleep but kind of that soft space where you're like starting especially if you're listening to a guided meditation Mm -hmm. you're starting to kind of drift off I had a vision I had a vision in that space yeah (laughs) is this an offline share no 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 I'm being very detailed about this because I just like to share the process of so I had this vision of myself next to a river and um, it's a, another space that I go to um, when I feel creatively called. And I was sitting by this river and a cougar came down uh, like a mountain lion, mountain yeah. lion. Yeah. Um, and I got the feeling I could feel she was a, like a, fe- a female mountain lion came down the river bank and started drinking water close to me and then just sat there next to me looking at me. Whoa. And That's- what was so beautiful about that was that 
um, recently in a session with our dear friend, Angela, our, you know, intuitive guide, Angela, uh, she told me that she saw new guides coming through for me. Mm -hmm. And in the process of this training, I've had two new guides appear and the cougar was one of them. And And at first I was like, I don't understand why the cougar was coming to me. And then in the process of integration, this morning, it actually popped up for me. Cougar, like female cougars raise their babies alone. They are nature's single mother. Mm. And they do it with grace and with strength. And they are graceful and beautiful mm. and powerful. Mm. I love that. And I was it. like, what a beautiful guide for a single mother <laughs> yeah. to have. And I felt very deeply connected to that. So I was really grateful that even before going out into the quest, I was already receiving guidance um, and messages. And so I went to sleep. I slept great. I got up at five o'clock in the morning. Wow. That's not you. That's not your tip. Which for me is not not usual at all. At all. I did it all throughout like my early twenties at a job that I worked at. Um, I had to be up that early and I, I loved it at that space and time. So yesterday was kind of nice. I really enjoyed it where it was like, it's that in-between time where it's the world feels time of the whole day. It's, I call it prime time. It's yeah. Prime the world time. feels still, it feels promising. It feels just, it feels spiritual to me because it's just, it's dark still. It's, there's so much happening in that space. It's calm I, and quiet at the I, same time. I mean, for a year, I mean, my whole my circadian rhythm, as you know, it's like, I go to bed at like eight, eight thirty, you know, school nights and then nine ish on the weekend. My kid usually stays up mm-hmm. later than me, but, and I typically wake up between three thirty and four every day. And it's, it's fascinating through the spiritual awakening and journey over the last couple of years, because they always relate to those hours as those like, when you're in an awakened state. So before I wasn't mindful of that state. It was just who I am. But now I realize, no wonder I love it so much. It mm-hmm. Like it's because like, I'd say, oh, I just have my coffee and I'm just able to like get my day together. And, but no, it's been when I journal, it's been when I have my best thoughts. It's like, it really is like that, it is my prime time of day. I think it's it, the the phrase that it's when the the veil is thin. I know we speak about that right, a lot like on, right. on uh, Halloween a lot. That's a phrase that comes up. The veil is thin, and I, I think that's true of those early morning hours too. It's it's the time when you can be the closest to source. So are you going <laughs> during to, the day? Are you going to try to sort of shift your day a little bit so that you can sort of take advantage of those hours, even on, especially when you have the kids, even like to kind of ground yourself before you have to be like off and running. That is something that's come out of this quest for me is that, um, one, I, and I'll go more into this as we progress about the quest itself, but, um, I really appreciated two things right off the bat. Um, it felt really good to stop eating at 6 p.m. and oh, fast yeah. overnight. That felt really good. And I know in the past it had been recommended to me to do intermittent fasting kind of on that timeline of like from 6 p.m. until 8 or 9 the next morning. And that felt really good to me. Um, mm-hmm. I woke up. I actually woke up feeling – I didn't feel groggy. I didn't feel – heavy. My body felt lighter. Um, it just, it felt good. And I noticed that right away. I, I had such a different energy upon waking up at that time mm-hmm. and having fasted that I was like, I think this is going to be something I'm going to explore incorporating into my life. And then as you said, like with the kids, like oftentimes we're waking up usually like 40 minutes before school starts that I'm trying to hustle them and hustle them out the door where I haven't had time to do my own morning rituals and wake up slowly and have my coffee or my tea and write and prepare for the day. It's just like, wake up and go. And I'm seeing and a then you're value. Playing, and then you're playing catch up. The minute you drop the kids off and come home, it's like, and, the, and after I drop the kids off, off, yeah, after I drop the kids off, you know, I'm, I'm working as a nanny right now yeah. during the daytimes. And so my little nanny baby gets dropped off right after my kids go to school. And so it's like, 
from the moment I wake up until I go to sleep, it's like I'm on everything's kid oriented, household oriented, getting tasks done. And I, I see a lot of value in, in waking up earlier, like going to bed earlier, totally. shutting off my phone, you know, not late night snacking, not staying up all night as a night owl. I see a deep value in taking that time very intentionally. So I think that is something that is emerging from this nature quest for me that I'm going to um, hopefully incorporate. I love that. And I'm not going to put a shit on myself about that because one of the things that came up for me in preparing for this quest and one of the pieces for me that's very important about this quest is that earlier this week, I actually formally received my ADD diagnosis yes and PCOS diagnosis and as I was sitting with that because receiving an ADD and PCOS diagnosis is kind of bittersweet Mm -hmm. where on one hand it's like oh my gosh (laughs) finally someone listened to me in the medical community listened to me enough to help me get to the bottom of these things I've been struggling with my whole life and I have an answer and I have a clear care path and now I get to move forward in that way. So it's sweet in having the answers, but then it's bitter in that all week long I've been processing, looking back at my life and being like, wow, I've been struggling with PCOS since I basically was a Mm preteen of getting my first period and all of that and all everything I experienced physically for so long has a very simple answer yeah and then with the ADD it's it's like as my my care provider and I were talking about the ADD and we're looking at the history of my life and she's asking me questions and deep diving it I was looking at my college career and it's like it took me in total seven years to finish my four-year degree (laughs) and I changed my major so many times and I shamed myself so much in college over changing my mind or not being able to focus or being that student who would who would procrastinate until the night before and write a 20-page paper the night before and then get an A plus on it Mm -hmm. and I look back at at my life and even like my childhood school experience and so much about my life and I'm like wow, I see it now through the lens of ADD and see how much I was struggling. I didn't have the tools that I needed and the tools that as a mother, I've been able to provide for my child in getting her ADHD and autism diagnosis early, getting these tools for her and advocating for her. So I see this like, yeah, it's this been this double-edged sword I've been sitting with all week as I was preparing for this quest of the first 35 years of my life looking so differently than what maybe the next 35 are going to look like, because now I have the the tools that I need for my personal success. A hundred percent. Like a mental and a physical level. (laughs) And I mean, sometimes it's, sometimes it's really just about feeling seen at the end of the day. And so, like you said, like, Oh my God, thank you for finally diagnosing something that I felt all these years and sometimes that is just like, it almost makes everything else so much easier. Like, thank you for just acknowledging and validating that I'm not fucking crazy at the end of the day, right? Oh my gosh. Yeah. She was, she was like, she was like, you know, talk to me about um, like your work life. Like how has this presented in your work life? And as we started talking about it, I was like, you know, I've been self-employed for 10 plus years because I didn't have the ability to focus and the thought of working a nine to five job was so overwhelming Mm -hmm. that like really entrepreneurship and being self-employed was the only thing that made sense for how my brain worked. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) So it's just, it's fascinating to put all the pieces together now and I'm still in that process, right? It's going to be, it's going to be a process um, for a while for me, but bringing it back to the nature quest of this week, I was really sitting with that. And so one of my intentions for the nature quest was to release and do some kind of ceremonial release around the first 35 years of my life Mm -hmm. and acknowledging it for what it was and grieving it, letting myself grieve it 
Um, and also letting myself appreciate everything I learned in the first 35 years of my life, because, you know, joy and grief go hand in hand. Um, and as much trauma and pain and grief as there's, as there was in the first 35 years of my life, there's also been so much beauty that's come out of it and so much knowledge and experience. So when I got up in the morning, um, to head out on the quest, it was wonderful because it was dark. It was mm-hmm. so dark. And as I drove out to the nature preserve, um, I could start to slowly see that um, first light, you know, that the, the sky was starting to lighten up a little bit, but it was cl- cloud coverage. So it was like these beautiful different shades of blues. Right. And just just beautiful. And uh-huh. uh, I could see that it was snowing in the in the mountains. And then the, there were raindrops coming down the car and I knew it was going to be raining. And one of the things that a lot of people were expressing going into this process was like the fear of the weather because we're all over the world. Right. And there's some people who are like in Bali sitting next mm-hmm. to a waterfall for their nature quest. And there's some of us who are like in Alaska in deep snow. <laughs> so um, very me, different course, experience just very different. in general, right? Like where yeah. you are geographically as opposed to also like where you are in your head. Everybody has such a unique experience all to their specific road of discovery. Yes. Yes. Um, And, but of course, being a Pacific Northwest raised girl, I was like, well, you know, I'm going to do this regardless of the weather. (laughs) I just, of course, you know, prepared, uh, put on my warmest layers and, you know, brought extra warm things and brought a yoga pad to put on the ground and brought my Pendleton wool blanket because I'm sorry, you were an Oregon girl if you don't have a Pendleton wool blanket. (laughs) Right. I love, I love the Pendleton blanket. It's the best. Um, And so when I got to my space, I got there right before about 20 minutes before sunrise. And so I was setting up and one of the intentions they gave us for this time was um, to conduct it in the way that we would conduct a sacred space or a gathering for other people. Um, and so I created a circle around myself with my crystals and bird feathers and the different things that I had brought for my circle. Um, and then I sat there and listened to the birds there were birds everywhere it was like they were welcoming me and one of the things we were instructed to do was like you know ask permission from the spirits of the land you're on to be there and conduct the space and ask for guidance and so as I was preparing like an owl flew over me and I was like I feel like I'm being welcomed it felt Mm -hmm. like I had come home and was being welcomed so that felt really good and so I opened my circle with um a song I sang a song uh, that was very important to me, um, a spiritual song, and then with prayer. And then I just allowed my experience to unfold. Mm -hmm. And what came through for me over the next three and a half hours was more beautiful and intense than I can probably put in two words, probably because I'm still processing Listen, it <laughs> I'm still in the integration a day later I'm still in the integration process of this um I wrote pages and pages and pages and pages of just receiving downloads and messages and reminders and little poems um and then I did two ceremonies for myself where I like I physically grieved and released the first 35 years of my life by Mm -hmm. letting myself cry, letting all the emotions come through, everything flow through, giving it that space. And then I wrote a letter to the first 35 years of my life. I love that. And I let it all come through and I, I let the grief come through. I let the joy come through. I just let it all flow onto the paper. And then I tore the paper into four different pieces to represent the four different elements Mm -hmm. and because I was next to a pond I let one of the pieces of the the paper and to note this is handmade paper I had made and it's like easily dissolvable so I released that I released one piece into the water it's as eco-friendly as you can get basically exactly so I released one piece into the water and then I let one piece fly to the air Mm -hmm. and then I buried one piece in the dirt next to the pond 
And then I burned because I brought um, my abalone shell and a lighter and I burned the last piece. And that was such a beautiful release. So that was a great ritual for me. Um, And then I sat in meditation for a very long period of this, um, just with pen and paper, writing down whatever came through. And then the second ritual, I cord released someone that my connection had kind of become heavy with. Mm -hmm. And so I just energetically let that go as well. And then to close out my circle, I did the same thing where I just, I thanked the spirits of the land and I gave an offering. I brought some fruits and, you know, offered it to the land and sang some songs and prayed aloud. And it was just a really beautiful thing. And I was there for three and a half hours. Yes, it rained on me. <laughs> I, got, I got rained on. Um, I got distracted once or twice because, of course, it's an area where people go duck hunting this time of the year. And so there was a couple of times people drove up in their trucks to get out and go duck hunting. And that was a distraction for a little bit. Um, But all in all, it was just this really beautiful process for me. And one of the big pieces that came out of it, um, which was interesting because then when I went home for integration and processing, we had a three hour Zoom call last night where we all shared um, our our process, what came through, our experiences. And I was hearing a lot of people talking about how it was really hard for them to be in that space and like drop in and they didn't receive any messages and they were struggling with that. And one of the things that came through for me was this recognition that this is actually something I have been doing for myself since I was a child. Totally. That I've been go I've been going to nature mm-hmm. and dropping in and communing with nature since I was a child. And uh, a quick share about that is that at the pond I was sitting at, there's one lone tree. So I was sitting on one side of the pond, and on the other side of the pond, there's this one tree, only tree around, probably for like a mile. Uh-huh. And I was just sitting and reflecting on that tree, and it reminded me of how when I was a child, I used to. Because my, my family, we spent a lot of time in nature. Mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time in nature as a child. And I used to just lay underneath the trees and I would talk to the trees and I would listen to the trees talking to each other. And I would write poems and share stories with the trees and they would share them with me. And as I was sitting there looking at that tree, it just reminded me of how throughout my life. And this goes back to getting that ADD diagnosis because I think. I think a lot of people who are neurodivergent and I'm not going to like say everyone, I'm going to, I'm going to speak to my experience and what I've learned yeah. for myself and what I hear a lot in the spiritual community from people who are neurodivergent um, and in observing my daughter, I think people who are neurodivergent walk with one foot in spirit and one foot in the real world. And we're always struggling to fit in. That's why a lot of people who are neurodivergent are artists, are big thinkers, are creatives, they're musicians. They are, spiritual leaders they are deeply connected to the spiritual because we're living with one foot in different worlds we're straddling that line um and so it was really beautiful for for me in this nature quest for all of that to come to a culmination and to honor who I am and so I'll share the last little bit I'll share about it is that the, the phrase we were given going into it was we, you know, we were asked to ref- meditate on the message I am a woman of, or I'm a man of, or person of. Um, and I received those messages, and what came through for me, I will share, is um, let's see if I get here, I'm just pulling up my, mm-hmm. my journal. So I received three phrases, and the first one was, I'm a woman of words, mm. I'm a storyteller. Mm-hmm. I am a woman of creative passion. Mm-hmm. I feel most alive when I am sharing, uh, when I am in my creative embodiments, whether mm-hmm. like whether photographing as I travel or making paper with my hands and sharing it with the world. I am a woman of sacred journey and love. Mm-hmm. Like my whole purpose, like I've always felt like my sole purpose here on this timeline has been the journey itself Mm. and the journey of unlearning 
and remembering who I am and coming back to remembering that I am love, that the, the, the journey is love. That's what we're all here for is to unlearn and embody love mm-hmm. and share love. And when I received that, what came through for me was like, that was my, my journey. The first 35 years of my life was unlearning and remembering who I am. And now I'm moving on to the chapter where I've remembered who I am and I'm going to continue learning and remembering who I am. But then I also get to help other people remember who they are through my writing, through my creating, through sharing my journey. Coaching and through coaching. Coaching. Yep. Things like that, where you get to share your experience. Um, to share, you know, to like connect with them in their experiences, whether you're writing it, like, like you said, whether, however you're doing it, the intention behind it is what's the most important piece of that. And that is, yeah. And someone maybe can one person kind of like what we said about the podcast, if one person gets something out of today's conversation, it's like, we're so grateful for that. That's the intention Mm -hmm. is that someone just walk away with something new to, um, uh, to walk to utilize, right. To add to their toolbox type of thing. And I think yeah. that's really cool. I love, I think, I think the nature quest for me hearing about it, I think so many people could implement this once a month for themselves there. If you're feeling stuck, just like you said, like stop eating and drinking the night before wake up with purpose and like go out to your favorite walk. Or if you don't have a favorite nature, nature walk or nature spot, like just pick some spot, you know, go, how far can I go an hour away? Like, you know, Mm -hmm, and just mm -hmm. go out and do that because nature is so healing. And I I want to add a little, a little caveat to that about the fasting part, because I think fasting is something people should be careful with, Oh yeah, totally. especially if they have like medical conditions of and things course, like that. So course. like do the fasting, if it's something that's fitting for your life, but also totally. you don't, you don't have to fast. You still get to the benefit. connect with source and to get totally. the benefits of being in nature. So yeah, just adding that caveat, we're not medical professionals. <laughs> but like, don't listen. No, just kidding. No, but I found a lot of benefit in just even doing that fasting overnight. And I continued my fast until I got home. Um, and I didn't, of course, want to overload my system when I got home by like eating something heavy. Mm-hmm. And so what I did when I got home was I immediately took a warm bath to warm up my body Yep, and drank some warm tea Yep, and ate a bowl of blueberries. Mm-hmm. And then I took a nap. I took a nap. And then when I woke up from my little nap, I felt so revitalized that I went outside and did yard work Love for that. an hour. Love that. <laughs> and it's been interesting too, like hearing um, in the Zoom call we did last night, everyone's had different experiences post-integration, post-quest, where some people are experiencing like all of a sudden getting like flu-like symptoms Mm-hmm. Um, or intense fatigue, and mm-hmm. they're having to stay in bed and self nurture and self care. And so, uh, one thing I want to say is like, when you are intentional about going into nature, and spiritual things happen for you, everyone's experience is going to be so vastly different. So when you hear someone's experience, don't expect that that's going to be your experience. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say like, don't beat yourself up while you're out there, but have the intention of like maybe sitting still for 20 minutes. Like most people can probably, and if it's a little challenging for you, then that's even more so why you need to add on those times and, and then just yeah. see, and then see what comes up for you. Like it doesn't have to be a whole thing. It can just be these simple little moments of just choosing yourself in that moment. Like that can be enough for some people with really hectic lives it was interesting there was one person of course I'm not going to name names or give too many details or anything like that um but there was one person who mentioned that they had been out in nature for eight hours and it was cold and they were struggling because like they were at a local park and there was like people coming and going and they just couldn't drop in they couldn't um they couldn't sit in that silence internally and there was so much going on in their mind and they they had other things they were worried about 
and um, this person was expressing disappointment for not like receiving messages. Like, like this person was like, I didn't receive messages. Um, and the feedback from some of us was, you know, there was a question this person had asked of like, how do I, how do I trust myself in this mm. process? Yeah. And, and I, re- I responded to this person saying, you know, sometimes the act of building trust is to just be with yourself. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't receive a message, a oh, download, yeah. it it's just even, it's, I was like, you know, it sounds like you being out there for eight hours was an exercise in you trusting yourself because along the way, like this person has shared that they felt tired. So they, they took a nap and I was like, you were listening to your body. And when there was a bunch of kids playing soccer near you and you couldn't focus, you listened to yourself and you got up and you moved to another spot. Mm-hmm. That was the process of you trusting yourself. Hmm. So they, even in the like, their, did you see their nonverbal cues, like relax a little bit as you were kind of affirming for them a little bit? Not necessarily because we were, we were, this was not on the zoom we were sharing. We were actually mess, voice messaging back and forth in like our group chat. Oh, yeah, um, and yeah. I was responding to this person's share. Oh, that's and, and that's one of the things about this training I'm in is we're also deeply connected. We have like a WhatsApp chat group and all that's like great. we're constantly connecting and sharing and feedbacking. And, and it's not just the facilitators who are giving feedback. We're all giving each other feedback and mm-hmm. thoughts and downloads along the way. So it's, it feels like family. It feels like a family container. It's, it's beautiful. Um, but that's one thing I want to say that, you know, when you go into nature, with an expectation that you're going to receive clarity or receive a message or be healed. Sometimes just the very act of getting up, intentionally leaving your house, going out to the woods, even if it's a 10 minute hike or even if it's sitting at your local park off your phone for 10 minutes, that in of itself can be healing Because you are starting the process of creating a relationship with yourself and nature, but most importantly, a relationship with yourself in that kind of self-care. Totally. I love that. I think because when we do all that, it just, like you said, just makes it simple. And sometimes just choosing yourself for 20 minutes, that's self-love, self-care, trusting yourself maybe comes along with that. And I think um, those are the baby steps. I mean, that's like the bare minimum we should try to do for ourselves other than like, it's almost as good as taking a bath. For me, it's better, right? Like, because we're such nature lovers, like truly. But for city folks, for people who just typically aren't nature people, it might be a really big stretch, but maybe going to the park feels like a good step in that right direction. Mm-hmm. And, and also, and I know I understand like we all love being alone in nature or the us nature lovers, we all have been on our hikes and have been and like literally don't care if people come with us or not. Like we're happy as heck just being out there by ourselves. But if you are nervous, like grabbing somebody who maybe maybe you have a friend who loves nature, it's like, hey, I'm not really as much about nature, but I'd love to try like can you like let's set up a time with your favorite friend and you know go take a walk somewhere where it's really woodsy or if you're lucky enough to live in the northwest that you don't have to go so far but just ask a friend to take you like hey I know you love nature can you show me your nature like show me that yeah that could be lovely too you know it's as you're saying that I was thinking about how you know meditation a lot of people get turned off mm-hmm. or intimidated by meditation because there's this expectation that the minute you start meditating you should have a quiet mind right. <laughs> or we should have and, every answer answered in those five minutes or ten minutes or whatever and and the reality that is that the, the practice because it's truly a practice it's, it's yes. like building a muscle it's like building a foundation on a house it's a it's a there's a process to it the practice of becoming quiet internally so that you can hear Yep. Is a process and it doesn't just happen overnight. Like you don't just start meditating and 10 minutes later, you're receiving messages from your guides and downloads and all of that. Like Mm -hmm. it is a practice 
And it's just like anything in life where if it's something we want to become, I, I don't like to use the word good at, but if it's something we want to become skilled at, we mm-hmm. have to practice it and mm-hmm. keep doing it. It's like an athlete, you know, like a super athlete, they, they devote so much of their lives so true. to becoming the best at what it is that they do, but it's, how did they get there? Well, they started, they started small, Oh, they started totally. small and they built up the same thing with nature. It's the same thing with meditation. So like, if you feel intimidated by going into nature and like, you feel like you should be able to go hiking by yourself, or you should go in to be able to go into nature and sit there for four hours and get these downloads. If you haven't spent time out in nature like that, that's probably not what it's going to look like for you. It'll be stressful if you put too much pressure on yourself for the first time going out. If it's been years since you've spent time out there, like, Oh my gosh. And if you're not comfortable with nature, like going out in nature by yourself may not be the best way to do like embark on your first your first solo hike probably shouldn't be a five mile hike by yourself when you don't have the right gear or knowledge of the land experience any of that (laughs) also like looking at the weather and planning accordingly and you have the right layers in your backpack and make sure that your backpack is waterproof like all the things but are you um, hiking in an area where there's cell phone reception happens to you that people can find you (laughs) right no exactly or will there be people around so you know it's like all these things you have to ask yourself start small start small and we you and, and obviously like the friends that go into nature that we know and and the two of us like we do all that stuff like unconsciously at this point because we're so used to looking for all that, the signs and, yeah. you know, it's here in the Southwest, we have to be careful of, um, flash floods and mm-hmm. other things too. So even though a spot may look really dope, you mm-hmm. really have to like, look at the weather North of that city, North of that area, South, like all around that area to ensure that you're Oh, not- I mean, like Zion National up. Park is an example of this, you know, yeah. like, uh, I went to Zion two years ago and did, you know, um, the Narrows, which is, you know, a Very really terrible scary. place to be if there's a flash flood. A real um, shit show if you're there in a flash flood. Yeah. And, and it's like that day was hot and not a cloud in the sky. Uh-huh. Um, but still, I was checking all the flash flood warnings. I was checking the weather. And, and of course, all the national parks, they put all this information on this website. So you can yeah. look it up and see, like what are the levels in another part where the river winds through, you know, but there's and- so much. And, and there's, I mean, there are a plethora of rangers telling you and they'll close it down. If there's even a, a hint of a flash flood, they will close that narrows um, the narrows down, but it's more about the people who say, Oh, but just outside of Zion, there's all these other places. Well, guess what? They're prone to flash floods too. And yeah. there might not be a ranger anywhere yeah. near to say, hey, by the way, we're looking in the next hour, flash floods are coming up. Yeah. On so you just you just have to be careful, be mindful and, and put safety first. It really tell someone where you're going, drop a pin and say like you did yesterday. I was like really starting to look. I was just starting to look at the time thinking, when is she going to be, you know, back <laughs> on, online? And then you texted me literally 20 minutes later. Hi. I'm, I'm, I'm back, you know, I was yeah, like, especially as a woman that I think that's a big thing as big safety thing. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, it's one of those things that women, women have to be extra cautious about sometimes is telling someone where you're going, telling someone um, where you plan to be, what your anticipated route is going to be as much as you know. And yeah. then also telling them like, I expect to be back by this time. If I'm not back by this time, this is where to look for me. Um, And for me, it's like, I, you know, I tell you and I tell my dad and, and, you know, someone is always aware of where Mm -hmm. I'm going to be. Yeah. Um, And that's just, that's just a basic safety thing. Unfortunately, we have to think about as women. Oh, completely. So it's so important, but I love your whole nature quest. I mean, like I want to, I was thinking about what else we could talk about, but I think that was just such a beautiful reminder about just, putting yourself first. And I was thinking like, we don't, you know, it doesn't have, it doesn't have to be any more than that. That was beautifully said today. 
I just, you know what I really took away? There's so much that I took away from it. And yeah. of course, I'm going to be processing this for a while. Well, and you'll, um, you'll start to integrate more of that. Yeah. But one of the biggest things was just, you know, there's so much value in stepping away from the hustle and bustle of everyday life. Yeah. And just getting quiet. And connecting with yourself and it doesn't have to cost you money you don't have to go book a cabin in the woods to do it you know what I mean yeah you can I have a question yeah so with this how because you do this quite often already I mean the first thing like if you and I are processing stuff we're both like okay I gotta go take a hike or you know what I mean "I'm I'm gonna go to the marsh I'm gonna go like how was it having it as an assignment as opposed to it being sort of an organic choice for you? I'm, I'm curious about when there was, was there additional pressure about it or were you, yeah, I, I'm just going to leave it open and let you answer that. Cause I can see your face already. So. Yeah. That's kind of where I, I what I talked about in the beginning was that yeah. my mind was really overthinking it. Yep. Um, where I was like, oh, I have to do this perfectly. And, and I'm going to go, I'm going to go book a cabin right. out in the snow. And I'm going to go sit in the snow for four hours and just, you know, really lean into the elements and really yeah. push myself and yeah. like fast for 24 hours. Like I was, my mind was just going all these places. Yeah. And <laughs> so I, I spoke to that in our group chat and um, one of the facilitators, bless his heart, he just said a reminder, he was like, just a reminder, it's so it's so easy for the mind to overthink this, mm-hmm. but just go within and keep it simple. Do and you, do you think it would translate for like, would could we take a little group out into nature and do it with people? Like do a live out loud nature quest day? For sure. For sure. I think I think that when it comes to this, having a guided experience can be very, very helpful. Because, um, and, and then also having people to process with, because mm-hmm. I think that's one of the, the biggest takeaways from this for me was that, um, this is, yes, this is something that I do for myself all the time. Right. And it's a practice I've had since I was a child. Yeah. And I really realized that on this nature quest of, and, and hearing everyone else speak on the, on the zoom call, like our integration call about it, um, hearing a lot of people who this was the first time they had done something like this mm-hmm. really highlighted for me how beautiful it is that throughout my lifetime, I've given myself this tool. And this is a practice that mm-hmm. I have incorporated so much into my life that I've sort of taken it for granted. Yeah. Of like, this is something I just do for myself. Mm-hmm. Like This is, this is my medicine. This is it, my medicine. It's hundred percent our church. Yes. And so it really like this assignment was beautiful because it, in hearing everyone else share it, it brought me back to the space of recognizing this is not medicine for everyone. This mm-hmm. is not a day. This is not a daily weekly practice for everyone. Cause I know during the summertime for me, it's a daily practice. This is a daily part of my life. Yes. Um. So, so getting to hear that reflect on that and then recognize like, this is an experience that would be beneficial for some people to be a little bit handheld and guided through. Mm-hmm. Because it's completely foreign to them. Yeah. We have to definitely look at our calendars and set something up because, and I don't know where that's going to be yet, but I think it would be really cool to, to do that with people. I think I'd, I'd really enjoy that. Like maybe we do it back in Utah where my friend Hannah can, she has the acts, she has people that she's guiding already and, Mm. And then you could just help facilitate that more. She'll pick, she'll pick the place like, cause she picks amazing trails that are like super magical. Um, so that people are getting a lot for their day, you know, a lot of. One of the things that I have learned about myself in the last year, and then especially being highlighted in this training. Um, and, and this is kind of like a big raw, deep personal share for me of, of recognizing that I have a lot of knowledge and experience and wealth of wisdom to share, but I hold myself back from sharing it 
um, in many ways out of self-doubt um, and, and just I've held myself back in a lot of ways. But this training has it's been fascinating to do this training and recognize that so much of what I'm I'm learning mm-hmm. is things that I already understand mm-hmm. and things that I already do mm-hmm. and things that I'm already serving in some capacity for and so like recognizing like yeah I am a facilitator I love to facilitate for other people and I'm not attached to other people's outcomes I just like to hold the space mm-hmm. I like to create the container yeah and that's that's why I wanted to take this course and do this training so I can really deepen into that mm-hmm. um and so I think it'd be beautiful to do like a live out loud nature quest, <laughs> nature retreat, nature day. Well, I think it'd be- to, can you create that container? Yeah. And the cool things that are that you can put together for the for the crew is like things to bring, you know, and, you know, sort of some of the intentional behind it, like, you know, bring like do the work prior to coming so that you have things to burn if we want to burn things or bring something that, you know, you need to let go of or whatever, whatever the intention behind it. Maybe if it's in spring, it's guided by spring, you know, full moons and what those are and around that. So what we're letting go of or what we want to bring into and what we want to clean and smudge and all those things. And another another piece that's been coming out of this for me is that uh, this training is beautiful because it's global. We're we're online. So it's a global training. And so I'm meeting people from different places and spaces who are sharing their cultural practices, their spiritual practices. And um, that's a really important piece of creating a space and container is like giving a space where people can explore what do spiritual practices look like for me? Yeah what are my, what are my roots in spiritual practices and cultural practices and connecting to the land, you know, and and it's a little bit different for everyone. And then also getting to learn and share and partake in practices and rituals from other spaces. Mm-hmm. It's it's really that. cool. I, I love all of this and I'm really, yeah. I'm really proud of you. I think this is really oh, growing thanks. you in a way um, that you've wanted and giving you a certificate to like really no and pun intended lead by example yeah because that's what ultimately that's what facilitatorship and leadership is is Mm -hmm. it's truly a space where you're not a teacher right you are setting an example by doing it yourself and in facilitating and leading and teaching you are a student more than anyone. Yeah, because you're you're learning how to guide and hold space for and you're learning people. from the people yeah, that you're come learning to from, you. Yeah, exactly. Learning within yeah. that. So, cool. so I will say that like being a facilitator means being a student of life. I love it. I love this episode so much. I think Me we'll too. I think I think we'll definitely do an, a couple more on the whole healing in nature and different yeah. maybe some of um our upcoming guests will will you know we'll see if that resonates for them and see how they practice it for themselves but I really love this for you and it's a beautiful reminder for anybody who's listening to just go I haven't been in neat like there's a lot of people when I when we take photos or I post a photo of me out. They're like, oh my God, that like my son's my sunrise yesterday. I, I posted, you know, a few pictures, which I texted you because you're off social media. Yeah. And everyone, I, I got like four people just saying, oh my God, thanks for the reminder. I really need to like step up my nature game every now and then. Or like, God, I haven't been outside in that morning light in so long. Or, you know, things like that, that were, it's just. God, it could be as simple as like you know, walk, walk outside your front door yeah. and put your bare feet on the ground first thing in the morning That's it. and, de- and breathe in some deep air. Like that is, and have, and fi- and just talk about gratitude, like just gratitude yeah. for waking up for another day. Like it yeah. doesn't have to be like, we're packing for Mount Everest. We don't like, you can, I enjoy my sunrise every morning, you know, here it's like, 
it was super pink this morning, this little edge of pink and then the oranges. And I can just be appreciative of like mother nature is a fucking badass. And I just like have sit in gratitude for those moments and thinking I have eyes in which to see them. I have ears in which to appreciate and hear what's happening you know, and all the things and then the mouth to speak the gratitude from like mm -hmm. it, it's not an expensive habit. That's what I'm trying. Like what we're trying to say is like, it's literally like, let me set my alarm a half an hour before it says the sun's going to rise. And then taking that 30 minutes to just appreciate the freaking sunrise and maybe some other cool shit will come in your brain. I think that modern society, Western culture, especially has us fooled into thinking that medicine should be expensive. Mm -hmm. And some of the most beautiful medicine that we have is a sunrise. 100% and a sunset. It's like, the ground. There are two times a day that will happen no matter what. Mm -hmm. And if you're in a place where you're just, you can do that for yourself. Like that's twice a day that you can sh have gratitude or sit still for a few minutes and, Yes. Just acknowledge the fact that we live on this gorgeous planet and forget the fact that there's so much hate out there, but to look at it from a nature's perspective and how our animals must see our planet and man, we are lucky. This place is gorgeous. Yes, we are. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love you, friends. I love you too. I'm so happy we do this. Me too. <laughs> bye bye if you enjoyed this episode today be sure to subscribe and share because what do we say baby sharing is caring <laughs>